0: Nice being here this morning. I'm standing up there playing and literally shaking, and it's not nervousness. I've done this a few times now. It's just feeling the move of God here, and it's powerful. Um, A few weeks ago, Joanne and I were talking, and both of us, at the same time, were getting a heart for talking here about worship. So we're doing this kind of two week tandem thing. If you were here last week, you heard Joanne preaching on worship, teaching on worship. And uh, we're gonna have a little bit more of that today. Um, When I submitted my, uh, my graphics and slides and things like that to Nick, he said, wait a minute, you don't have any Pearls Before Swine cartoons. People are expecting that now. So I went back and found a couple. So we'll start with one of those. Why are you clinging to your phone, pig? My cousin's pregnant, and she might need me to drive her to the hospital. Hang on, this is her now. Hey, my water broke. Call a plumber. (laughs) Why is she bothering me with that? (laughs) And you may be thinking, why are we bothering you with worship? Why are we bothering talking about worship? Because you know what worship is, right? You're here, doing it. But we do need to talk about worship, because I would submit to you that worship is a lot more than what we think it is sometimes. You know, we just sang earlier, hearts and lives waking up. And when we worship, that's the spirit in us waking up and communing with the spirit of God. Um, I wanted to give you a couple of Bible stories. And we're not going to project the whole thing and read the whole thing. I'm just going to paraphrase it for you. But one of them is from 2 Chronicles 20. What can we learn from the Old Testament? Well, here's something. Um, Back in the day, after Solomon, the nation of Israel divided into two kingdoms, Israel and Judah. The tribe of Judah went off on its own, and it had Jerusalem in it. Each one had a series of kings and went through all different kinds of things, some good kings, some not so good. Well, one of the good kings for Judah was Jehoshaphat. But he came to this point where there were three armies, all of them bigger than Israel, and certainly combined with the ability to annihilate the nation of Judah. Um, Moab, Ammon, and from Sair. And all three together easily could have wiped out Judah. And so as the nation was trying to figure out what to do with this, as the king was trying to figure out, one guy, uh, it says in verse 14, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, and basically he said, look, the battle is God's. We just need to go out there. God's going to fight the war for us. And then we come to verse 18, and it says this. Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground, And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. And you know what happened after that? They go out for battle. The three armies had killed each other. They just had to show up. God had done all the work. Things changed when the people worshipped. Repeat after me. When God's God's people worship, God's power is unleashed. There is power in our worship, especially when we get together and do it in the corporate sense. When we do it together like this, sometimes even miracles occur. Fast forward to Pentecost. A hundred plus disciples, after Jesus had already ascended into heaven, ten days later, a hundred or more disciples were gathered together in one place. and, And we sang it earlier, burning in my soul. That's the Pentecost song. There we were gathered as one Here comes the sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. The Holy Spirit came down. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come onto one individual for a certain purpose at the moment. Starting at Pentecost, all of us, anyone who professes faith in Jesus Christ, receives the Spirit of God into their heart. And that's what happened at Pentecost. They were together. It doesn't say specifically they were worshiping, but they were together as one, as one body. And as we'll talk about later, that is a form of worship. Next story I want to read to you comes from the book of Acts. Acts 16. Paul and Silas. Paul is a convert by now. He's with Silas going around doing ministry. They got in trouble for the ministry they were doing. And even though they were Roman citizens, they were beaten, flogged, and thrown into prison. It says their feet were in the stocks. Uh, They were not in a good position. They were in pain, they were in agony. But we come to Acts 16, verse 25, and what did they do? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. What happened after? An earthquake, a mighty move of God. The prison doors flew open, their chains came off, The lights all went out. The jailer comes running in. He's about to kill himself because he thinks all the prisoners have escaped on his watch. And Paul and Silas says, we're still here. You don't have to go anywhere. They start witnessing to him. The jailer and his whole family profess faith in Jesus as a result of this. It all changed when they chose to worship. There's power in worship. Repeat after me. The worship of God... Enables the people of God God to to do the things of God. It's our worship that fills us, that empowers us to do what it takes to live our witness, to be a Christian. Last week, Joanne talked about how she was in teacher mode. She used to be a teacher. I'm going to shift into kind of doctor mode for a moment, explaining how something works. As people, we have three parts. Body, soul spirit. Body is our physical self. It's perishable. It's not eternal. Our soul consists of our mind, our will, and our emotions. I think, I want, I feel. That's distinct to us. It is eternal. And then we have our spirit. That's the part that God created to be in communion with Him. When we're in communion with the Holy Spirit who already lives in us, that's when we start to worship and our soul and our body get caught up in it also because it's powerful. The God of the universe stirring something in you is a powerful thing and sometimes physically things happen, right? You may close your eyes, you may lift your hands, you may move back and forth with the music, have y'all ever watched Reese up here? Reese dances when he's playing guitar. It's subtle, but he's doing it. Who, who went to ultimate at the fairgrounds a few weeks ago? And when we as a church body, we were out doing all kinds of fun things, eating cupcakes, Duncan Dave, doing all kinds of fun things, but we came together to worship. And when we started worshiping together, there were some people who were moved. There was a group of kids that got up and started dancing. They couldn't sit still. And various other people were standing and and doing things. And who knows Betsy Conley, Will's mom, the science teacher for our preschool here. She's usually in the 8.30 service. Two or three weeks later, I saw her and she just came running up to me gushing. I just love so much that worship that we did. And when we did Amazing Grace, I just couldn't sit in my seat. I had to stand up. And most people had sat down by that point as we continued on in the music, but sitting there, something in her motivated her to where she just couldn't sit anymore. What was happening is that she allowed the Holy Spirit to work in her, and it moved her in such a powerful way, it demanded a response. And for her, that was standing up. Now, sometimes churches disagree on what worship looks like. So I've got another cartoon that highlights some of that. There's a big debate going on in my church about a dress code. People don't like how casually some folks dress for Sunday services. So they want people to dress better? Yeah. And they're taking suggestions right now at a big church meeting. Spandex, spandex, spandex. Sit down, Jeff the cyclist. <laughs> Jeff is a recurring character in there who is... Uh, Very intense. You know, Joanne preached last week about how the only thing that is is a right way to worship is in spirit and in truth. Anything else is just our outward expression of worship, and there's no right or wrong. We can disagree on this kind of stuff. Sometimes we in contemporary look at traditional and say... How can the Holy Spirit be alive in a service that uses liturgy and hymns? And it's just so cold. I don't think they're even feeling anything. Meanwhile, people in in traditional services can look at cont- the contemporary crowd and say, that casual approach to how you dress, I think that means there's a casual approach to God. And, and we can even do it in here. Some people raise hands and some don't. But, you know, the thing about it is... God created us all differently. We all worship in different ways. Sometimes, for some of us, God may move us to raise our hands. Some people worship God better with their hands in the air. You know, you become a funnel. You're catching even more of it. But God leads some people to worship him with their hands in their pockets. Neither one is allowed to judge the other. We're all called to worship in the way we're supposed to. So what is worship? Let's go to Romans 12, verse 1. Joanne mentioned this last week. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Anytime we offer ourselves to God, it becomes worship. Anytime we submit to God, surrender to God in any aspect of our life, it becomes worship. And we do it like it says in the verse, in view of God's mercy. Mercy, Everything we do in worship comes out of a response of gratitude for what he's done for us. But it can take lots of different forms. In corporate worship, it takes all kinds of forms. Singing, proclaiming the word, liturgy, prayer, giving testimonies, taking up the offering, celebrating sacraments, all of those things. And like I said before, there's power when the people of God gather together. For worship. God's power is unleashed. You know, we saw three stories from the Bible about how God's power is unleashed when, when His people gather for worship and prayer. Have you seen it in this church? I would say I have. You know, there are people in this service doing, doing better than they should with their cancer diagnosis because they choose to worship and because this church worships together on their behalf. Kathy Wilson, our chair of missions, about 18 years ago, she came this close to dying from liver failure, from hepatitis A. Our pastor at the time had the whole church fast and pray. She recovered with an incredible testimony to go with it. It's powerful. You'd never know right now to see her. Things changed in her condition when the church fasted and prayed on her behalf. So, Corporate worship is one way we worship, and, and we're called to do that. We're called to be here together. And I want to specify one thing. Sometimes people like Nick or Kevin can be identified as the worship leader. That's a little bit in error, in my opinion. The Holy Spirit leads us in worship. You know, we, the band may get things going musically, and that may help, But if you rely on having just your right kind of music, your favorite kind of music, to be able to worship, it's got to be more than that. Paul and Silas didn't have that in prison. They came up with it themselves. The Holy Spirit moved in them, and they went from there. Things changed. Prayer is another form of worship. In prayer... We're giving our time, we're putting our thoughts on the things of God, letting him prompt us with the things we need to be considering, the things we need to take to him, our praises, our requests, all of it. Listening. That's supposed to be part of prayer, but we kind of leave it out, so I'm mentioning it separately. Listening to God. We're sacrificing our time, our agenda to just be still and listen. Let him love on us Listening to music is not the same as worship, but it can be one thing that helps you get it going, so to speak. Um, Years ago, I heard Joanne talk about how when she had her quiet time at home, she would light a candle and that would signify to her the presence of the Holy Spirit with her. So I've started doing that when I'm preparing for teaching Sunday school. And is the Holy Spirit in that candle? No. But it helps me think of what I'm Doing, And I will say, people who dress up for church, even tie, jacket, all of that, that's part of the same thing. And I get that. For them, that's preparing, just like a Levite in the Old Testament, to enter the presence of God. Putting on your best. Um, Service. Service to others. Service in God's name to others especially. It's giving of your time, your energy. Um... You know, I think of even, even things that you might not normally think of as worship, but what Kevin, Daniel, and David Camp do, leading the ushers here, that's worship. They're serving God. They're taking their time and energy to serve God, serve us, and that is a form of worship for those guys and for all of the young people who are helping them too. Um, who was here Friday night for Stop Hunger Now? Over 100 people from our church worshiped together that night. We were packing meals, but that was worship, and it was incredible. Um, Bible study, that's God's love letter to us. We're giving, when we study the Bible, we're giving our mind to God. We're giving our time to God. Fasting, fasting is powerful. Fasting, what fasting is all about is taking control over the flesh putting your mind, your spirit in charge of the flesh. And things in the spiritual realm move mightily when you fast. And then just acknowledging God, seeing him, thanking him, um, recognizing him just in the day-to-day. We don't stop and do that often enough, but every time you stop for a moment and do that, that is worship. The point here is worship takes many different forms, and what you have to do is figure out Where do you worship? Where do you find the most fulfillment? If it's through giving, for example, I guarantee you that when you give, not only do you get satisfaction from it, God replaces what you gave, and he often gives you a glimpse of what happened with that to reinforce that, to make you experience more joy in that act of worship. If you worship more powerfully through music, you're gonna, something's going to happen. There's going to be that physical response that comes when that form of worship starts going in you. Find what is your form of worship and enjoy it. It's a gift from God. Um, and don't be afraid to try something new that you haven't tried yet. And then sometimes worship is the authentic response of whatever condition your heart's in at that moment. And sometimes that's extreme joy, but many times it may be something else. It may be denial, anguish, pain, anger. And you don't feel like worshiping in the traditional sense. You just feel like crying out to God in that moment. That's a form of worship. It's the authentic response of a heart. Even if you're shaking your fist at God at that moment, he can handle that. And especially if the goal you have is to get to the point of reconciliation with him and full surrender to him so that you can say what we said earlier. It's not my will, but your way. Um, I need Abby to come up here. I'm going to tell one final story with her help. But sometimes worship is the authentic response of your heart at that moment. Um, the SDS are here when, right after Rob got his cancer diagnosis, um, I was there at the hospital, and he chose to worship. And God has done powerful things through him, in him, through his family since then. You choose to worship, even if it's not the automatic thing, you choose to worship. God is going to do something powerful through that. Um, Back in February, our family went up to Atlanta. We were Coweta County tourists in Atlanta for a Friday night, saw a show at the Fox, spent the night up there. Saturday morning, parked at the King Center, toured that, and then did some other touristy things, took the streetcar, went to Auburn Market, got a bunch of collard greens. and, um, And then we went back to the car. A parade was about to start. Parking was at a premium at that point. Two people were waiting for us to pull out of our spot, so threw our luggage in the back of the truck, put the perishables in the cab with us, and then got out of there so those two people could fight over our spot. Um, Headed all the way home to Noonan, I remember driving south on the connector, looking at northbound traffic bumper to bumper, thinking, sure, I'm glad I'm not in that. Get home into the driveway, we all get out, go around to unload our stuff from the back of the truck. I had forgotten to close the tailgate. The four of us stood there, did a quick inventory of what was in there. Remarkably, everything was there, except for Abby's back. And in that split second, it dawned on all of us, and she looked up at me and she said, Nene's gone. Now, for those of you who have kids, and some of you adults, I know you still have one of these. A special thing (laughs) that you had all your life. Nene was a little uh, yellow blanket with a teddy bear head sewed into the middle of it. It was actually given to Megan, but Abby, when she came along, she decided she liked it and it became hers. She named it Nene, and Nene was with her every night. We did lose Nene one, one or two times. We had left it somewhere we knew, and we always were able to get it back. But in that moment, we, we looked in there, and she looked at, up at me and said that, and my heart sank, because it was my fault. It was my carelessness that caused this to happen. And she walked around to the front of the truck and started crying. And I just felt awful. I, I walked close to her and I said, Abby, I am so sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back up. I, I'm going to drive back to Atlanta and I'm going to look for your bag and see if we can find it. And in that moment, what she turned and said to me was this. It's okay, Daddy. You didn't mean to do it. I guess all we can do yeah. is pray. yep. She said, you didn't mean to do it. I wanted to be yelled at at that moment. I wasn't ready to receive grace and forgiveness like that. And she was saying that even out of her pain. She was saying that. We got the rest of the truck unloaded, went up, went into the house. I made plans. I was going to go back to Atlanta through the traffic, retrace the steps, and look for the bag. It was all I could do. There's no one to call. Can you look for the bag? I just had to find it. And when I got the truck unloaded, I went inside. I could hear Abby upstairs just sobbing in her room because her heart was broken over this. And I went up there to say goodbye before I headed out. And you can read the second one now. And that's when she, uh, yeah. And I wanted to pray at that point, but I felt like, is that going to sound cheap and contrived? Is that going to is that going to come across sounding like don't worry about it, it's okay, you need to get over it, you have God? Is it going to sound like that to her, to, to my nine-year-old at that moment? And as I was leaving the room, chickening out of praying, she says this. All we can do is pray. She says, I guess all we can do is pray. So I did. I mean, her, her spiritual leader of her home couldn't come through for her in the moment, so she had to say that. And then I prayed, and then I left. And what I found out right after that is that um, Megan, and the two of them honestly had been driving us nuts for the last 24 hours, bickering with each other. But Megan, right after that, af- right after I drove away, she came up, she put her arm around Abby and prayed for her also. When God's people pray, powerful things happen. One mile out of the subdivision, what did I find? Her bag in the ditch, and Nene was in the bag. One mile out of the subdivision. Now, thank you, sweetheart. Um, when God's people pay, pray, powerful things happen, and it may not—you may not always get what you need. And I've many times I've thought, "What if Nene were not found that day?" But the thing is. This time, God answered the prayer in the way that was exactly what we wanted. It doesn't always happen like that. But if we can worship, if worship is the authentic position of our heart, regardless of what we're going through at the moment, God's going to come through for us in a way that does bless us. Um, The band can come forward at this time. And I want you to know for this final song, the altar is open. And if you come up, some of you may be already feeling led to come up and pray. If there's something on your heart that you need to give to God, if you need to see a move of God in your life, a powerful move of God, where one hasn't happened yet, where you're still waiting for it, God hears your prayer where you are in your seat. He also hears your prayer up here. What you have to decide is, God, where do you want me at this moment? And you go with that. He may lead you to go grab someone specific who's sitting in here with you today. He may lead you to go grab someone and say, I want to pray for you. If someone's up here praying, he may lead you to say, I think I'm going to go just lay a hand on that person. Be open to what God's leading you to do. Let God move in your spirit and then let your soul and your body Respond to that and get in and enjoy the blessing also. Worship is all about submitting, surrendering to God. Let's do that this morning.